You're listening to Attack the Pod, a podcast with news, views, and how-tos inspired by Amsterdam's biggest, best, and most international triathlon and cycling club with your hosts, Neil and Matt. Good evening, Matt. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm okay. I'm uh, surviving. surviving the uh, torrential what, st- storms, weather. Oh, this is like day Rain. number six or something of uh, there being oh, a storm. It's been brutal, hasn't it? <laughs> so we're on. Uh, we're here for the pod, episode 019, episode 19. Um, I'm Neil, and that's, you've heard from Matt. Yep, hello. Um, we're here for the February slash sort of March edition. We're kind of in between. Uh. <laughs> We've not been very tight with our dates uh, since the new year, but that was that is the new year, <laughs> and so yeah, we're here. We're we're gonna we're gonna do a ask us anything type episode here. So we've got a, a, a stack of questions, right? Yep. Yeah, we've had uh, a bunch of members have submitted different questions about different elements of training and racing. So I think we've got five or six really good questions and we're going to kind of use that as the basis and, and dive into that. Nice. And we've also got a couple of pieces of news coming up. Um, triathlon news, that is. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the tri camp that's coming up and then and then we'll be done. People won't have to hear from us. Yeah, so we'll month. try and keep it to below uh, like uh, 90 minutes. <laughs> I think we might be in time this time. Right. <laughs> Well, let's get started then. What have you been up to? We, we've done a mountain bike session a few weeks ago. We did the world's wettest mountain bike ride, right? <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. I, th- I don't think anyone, I think it was, we all saw the weather, but no one wanted to be the one that bailed. So we all so turned we, up. There was five of us that had uh, <laughs> a week or a full day's mountain biking planned, right? So we've been planning it for for. Right down to where point. we were going to have lunch. Everything was planned. All the details Everything was there. planned. So uh, Chris, uh, Seb, uh, Mark, you, me, we, were, and we had a, a great day of mountain biking planned in the Velua. <laughs> and then the weather got worse and worse and worse. And then it was raining, like forecast to rain all day. But we were all like, how bad can it be? Yeah. You're underneath the trees. You're mountain biking. It can't be that bad. We well, certainly and it answered that it was question. Really bad. It was really bad to answer that question. But how bad can it be? It was really bad. There were some points because you've got uh, 27.5s <laughs> on your on your mountain bike. There were some points where I thought you were just going to disappear entirely, and because the puddles were so deep. <laughs> it was really. Uh, it, it was. I mean, it, it was kind of fun to begin with. What and. Well, I mean, the plan was to be out all day. We'd done two and a half hours, basically. Um, and it was it was just one of these things that no matter how, even, you know, two hours and 15 minutes in, I was still trying to dodge puddles. Even, you know, <laughs> even though I, I could not have been any any wetter than I was, I'm still like, oh, I don't want to go through this puddle in case it gets me wet. It, it was horrible. And it was good fun. I think there could be some awesome trails there, but everything was just waterlogged. It was literally puddle after puddle and we were soaked through no matter how much waterproof stuff we had on. And then it yeah, just Yeah, we got certainly cold. didn't see the best of the area, but um, no, so it was a, it was character building. It certainly was. It certainly was. And and, and towards the end, I think uh, you were in a bit of shock, right? <laughs> you were a bit... Oh. You could not get any heat in your body at Chris's, uh, Chris's uh, has a house in the, in the Vulu. Yeah, um, I'd, so we were I'd lost the feeling in my hands like an hour before. I've got terrible <laughs> circulation in my hands. And then like to the point where the last couple of uh, turns and stuff, I had to look down to make sure I was pressing the brake because I couldn't feel the brake. So I had to like 
get that visual cue there. So, but I didn't feel the rest of me so bad. But then when we got back to Chris's, I just started shaking and it yeah. was so cold. That's because you um, never put the heating on. I blame Chris for that. <laughs> Turn your heating on. No, it, it was, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great towards the end. Although I'm looking forward to doing that in the summer. I mean, the, the whole area where he has a yeah. house in this sort of park, um, even just that in itself looks stunning. But then the actual area for mountain biking, although we didn't get to see it as much. It just looks great. So yeah, hopefully yeah. we're going to get to repeat that in the summer, maybe in the sunshine. Definitely. Definitely. So, well, we can't get worse weather anyway next time. So Well, I would have said that until the storms of last week. <laughs> <That's true>. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, apparently you can. and <laughs> That's been pretty horrific. We haven't suffered, but um, a lot of people have. And for, unfortunately, some people died as a result of it, but there's been a lot, a lot of damage. Like we saw solar panels all over the place near near us yeah it's been rough it's been rough down here as well so lots of uh trees blocking blocking roads and blocking paths and stuff but I, it looks like we didn't get it quite as bad down here in the south as uh yeah. as you did up in uh what? amsterdam and on the coast funnily enough i was flying to poland at 2 p.m on friday and my my mate who's coming with us he's a pilot and we had been saying to him like go and look at look at whatever pilots do i don't know look at the special charts and shit tell us what's going on and he was looking at it and he's like, this was the day before. He's like, it's 50-50. And he kept looking at it. And the worst of the weather was when our flight was leaving, according to the forecast. And they cancelled 350 flights at Schiphol, um, 180-odd KLM flights. And ours flew. We, we took nice. off. Away we went to Plus, Poland. it was an easterly wind, so you probably got there in about 15 minutes. <laughs> it was the fastest I've ever flown to Poland, <laughs> that's for sure. And then on the way back, it was still blown you know, pretty bad. And, uh, yeah. We got to land as well, like ten minutes late. So, um, so we—I don't know how. I have no idea why, but I'm ha- I'm grateful. So we got away and we got back, and we're all in one piece. So, anyway, nice. right. Coming up in the episode. So as we said, sort of ask us anything. We've got a few questions people have got about triathlon and stuff. Now I think the format was you haven't shared the questions with me because you wanted to make me look like an idiot by asking me the questions, see what my answer might be, and see if I can do it any sort of justice to test if I've learned anything from the yeah. year and a half of me. We thought this we'd podcast. flip it around because normally it's me answering the questions. Yeah. So we thought. How much has Neil learned over the last 19 episodes? <laughs> How oh, much man, has he been paying you say attention? the last 19 episodes? I can tell you I probably haven't learned as much as I should have. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll find out. So we thought that would be uh, that would be quite fun to do it that way. And yeah, that was it. So I think we're going to start actually with some news. Now, this is sort of tri news and club news. So what you got for us, Matt? Yeah, so just on the general front, I think just uh, worth mentioning that it seems like we're going to have some racing. Um, not like so far, so, so well, at least so, so yeah, let's start again. <laughs> so far, so good, at least in terms of uh, the season ahead, in terms of the big races, they all seem to be on going ahead. I know there's a few local kind of running races and things which have been uh, postponed, but I think that was because of the aggressive approach we took in the Netherlands. Mm. Um, but everywhere else, it looks like... Uh, Racing's on its way. So, yeah, I think we'll start to see the pro races in the US start uh, coming around. And uh, hopefully we have a full season to look forward to for the first time in, what, yeah. three years now? I sort of get this will be the third uh, sort of race year, shall we say. I think countries, certainly in what I'm seeing sort of around about Europe, is they're just saying that this shit ain't going away. We're just going to live yeah. with this. And 
Let's do what we need to do to live it's with it. It's endemic um, now, right? Yeah. Like the flu, we're going to have to get on with yeah, it. Exactly. So hopefully, I mean, hopefully that doesn't mean that more people have to perish, but hopefully it means racing begins. So in <laughs> earnest, that's all. That's where we're going, going with this. Um, so that's cool. And then and, talking about races starting, we've got, uh, we, I think we mentioned in the last podcast about the, the PTO series. Yeah, we went through the like, format and stuff, I think. Yeah, yeah, and they're bringing this big series. And um, they made this sort of uh, big hoo-ha about, uh, you know, them wanting to bring this, you know, the pricing structure down, triathlons, an expensive sport, really um, trying to make it accessible. And then they came out with the prices, which were ridiculous for a half Ironman, or <laughs> shorter than a half Ironman they were charging, sort of, Four hundred dollars or oh, something. Really? Entry fee. Like yeah. for me or you to enter? So the one yeah. that's so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I mean, you know, maybe people wouldn't have minded so much, but they came out with this whole thing about them trying to make it more accessible. But to be fair, like I want to say, like kudos to them because it seemed that it was a bit of a, a a bit of a fuss in you know all the various sort of social media and podcasts and media channels, and um, they've really slashed the prices. I think it's about one hundred and thirty dollars or something now, or hundred and yeah, maybe close to 150 euros for entry. See, you've got to ask what's happened there, like, because were they just making ridiculously exploitative profits or are they just, you know, taking a loss now and they're going to recoup it later on? Like, you well, can't, I mean, you can't go from 400 that, to, to Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you, I mean, you can't go from 400 to 150, surely, and still be having the same model that you thought you had. So, yeah, I was going to say it goes to that business model. And no one's sort of sure exactly where that money's coming from for the PTO anyway. But um, <laughs> I, I think what they're saying is they were looking at these as sort of best-in-class races, so they should have been priced accordingly. So they were saying, well, it's cheaper than Kona, for example. But right. you're like, well, yeah, it's not, not Kona. Kona yet. <laughs> but then they said, because it is officially run by, by professional, you know, the professional triathletes. Um, so they sort of um, polled their members and, and everyone thought, because... Apparently they don't really need to make money on, and I, I don't, I'm not sure I agree with this, but they don't need to make money on this. The idea is to have the age group racing on the Saturday. So then you've got a kind of uh, a lockdown audience for the pro mm. races on Sunday to make the TV package look better when you've got. Do you believe they don't need to make money? You buying well, that? Well, what I'm wondering, I don't know what this model is to bring people in, but I'm even thinking, it, even if you just, like, you've got the course closed, they're, they're generally sort of, if you look at Samarim, for example, it's a kind of easily manageable uh, venue with a lot of it is is sort of a like a sports village, a sports uh, hotel kind of resort. So if you've got it for the weekend anyway, you're probably going to be setting up for the pro race, especially with all these cameras and stuff. So you kind of got the venue there anyway. Even if you're only charging a couple of hundred euros and you, you, know, you do make it a good price I've and you do it. try to create an, an experience, why wouldn't you take that money to I've, at least sort of cut some off the bottom nah, line? I've right? worked it out. I've worked it out. Just since you've been talking there, I know what it is. They are the Ryanair of running a race. So what's going to happen is you're going to pay your 130 entry fee or whatever. And they're going to say, hey, you can have transition here, right? For an extra... <laughs> 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 you can have it here, which which is five kilometers away from the other transition zone. <laughs> but if you pay an extra 66 euros, you can have the transition zone where you come out from the water. 
Okay, sorry, sir. Your transition bag is far too big to go into this transition area. <laughs> you're tra- you're yeah, have to- <laughs> you're, they're giving you a sandwich bag for your transition bag, but if you pay twenty two euros and fifty nine cents, they will let you have a normal transition bag. That's what this is. I've worked it out, so it's not cheaper. They're just gonna they're just gonna fleece you every step of the process, and you're gonna come out by paying about seven hundred euros, but you'll have the most amazing transition zone and the best bag ever. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it'll be good yeah, yeah. to see how it Fair goes. Fair play. They've, you know, they've listened to this and they, and actually they've also announced now that um, they're doing like a referral screen, scheme. So if you mm. refer three other people, you get your entry for free. So basically if you've got four mates that want to enter it, you get one free. That's pretty cool because so you could just split nice the course well. between the four of you. Yeah, and definitely. And if you're saying <laughs> like uh, we, we're here to sort of, make triathlon more accessible and more popular. Yeah. Then I see that that works, right? That's a, that's got some sort of yeah. value to it. So I yeah. think, um, you know, there's a lot of sort of bashing that goes on about these various entities, but I think it's important to sort of, you know, call it out when they do something right. And it sounds like they've sort of reacted well to, to that initial misstep. I think they need to focus a lot as well. I always think, cause well, I'll tell you a story about that in a moment, but I think if they focus on the, on the people, that are accompanying people to the race. Like, what can you do to provide some sort of value for them? I don't know what it is. I haven't given it any thought because I'm just thinking out loud now. But I remember when I was running cyclocross races in Scotland, one of the best, (laughs) this is more indicative of it being Scotland, I have to say, than anything else. But one of the best things we done was get a sausage van. (laughs) It It was the simplest thing was to get a little catering van at the race so that everyone that's watching it could get breakfast. And they they hadn't done that for years before. And it was amazing just that small difference that what it made. Um, but that's maybe more a uh, represent, that's maybe more deserved to people in Scotland. But it's than the it same with cyclocross in Belgium, right? Like, it's, it's an event, right? Beer there's tents, beers, yeah. there's, there's food tents. And that yeah. also in and of itself makes it a more, um, a better television experience. Yeah. And they have watching that. people at the side sort of, you know, almost touching the, the riders sort of reaching yeah, over cool. the rails, you know, yeah, it's that. that's cool. no one wants to see them as we saw like during COVID, no one wants to see any sport take place in front of no fans. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Maybe they, yeah. I mean, they do a lot anyway. I don't want to say they don't, but I just think maybe if they'd done that, they'll get more, uh, but then that, that maybe doesn't make them money. Anyway, um, and speaking of which, like 2022, have you got anything uh, you're looking forward to sports wise? Yeah, I thought I was thought this was just a good question because I, I was sort of getting excited reading a few things about the. Like, obviously, both of us are a bit cycling geeks, mm. so we're coming up to monument season, and I'm pretty pretty excited there. Um, we'll have actually have some monuments hopefully happening at the right time of year for the first time yeah. for a while as yeah. well. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> the other thing for me was we, we've got two Konas or, or sorry, two World Championships this year. And the first one's in May in St. George. And I'm so excited about that one because yeah. it's not Kona. It's going to be a different race. Yeah, it's be you've a mentioned that in previous of, episodes. Like, yeah, and it's coming quickly now. May's yeah, it's it's going to be here before away. we know it. Yeah. So I think um, yeah. that's the one for me. That's the one I'm really excited about. How about yeah. you? Um, sports-wise, <laughs> I'm looking forward to Formula One, but I'm not sure if this is the podcast for that. <laughs> I think it is. There's a similar, there's a, there's a demographic sort of a tech uh <laughs> it's for, formula one for me is is the one is the big one and i usually get excited <clears throat> about the cyclone once it begins um i i 
I don't, it's funny, I don't follow triathlon until someone says, oh, it's the X, Y, you know, this is where mm-hmm. the group's really good. People will mention it on the on the group and then I'll go and watch it and I'll get really into it. But I won't rush home to watch a, a triathlon race on the TV or I, I probably will the Tour de France. Um, but I wouldn't for the Vuelta or, or, the, or the Giro, actually. So usually Tour de France and Formula One are the two sports that get me uh, out my seat or, or, yeah. or into my seat rather to watch it at home. And the rest I love to watch. Like, I do love watching the the um, triathlon, but I I need to be reminded it's on. It's just not yeah. in the front of my radar. So, so yeah, Formula One, like, is going to be hugely exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm not, not far going away to... from the start of that season as well. No, that's true. I think maybe three weeks of testing in Barcelona this week. Um, Lewis Hamilton's came out from his little sabbatical, shall we say. Um, <laughs> I could do a whole podcast on Formula One, so I better not do that. But it's going to be exciting, that's for sure. Um so yeah, I'm looking forward to that, and and their own racing, of course. But um, have you got any races? Oh, quite a few this year. I've got three seventy point threes and I Just think two X Terrors. Oh, we're doing X Terror. I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> I've done that as well. See what I mean? Until someone reminds me, I'll be oh, thinking yeah, I'm watching Formula One, and I'm supposed to be down in Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> I keep forgetting about that one. It's in my diary, but. Um, yeah, I should probably set that to remind me two weeks before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not I think hour. I've got uh, the first race in a couple of weeks. We've got a run, bike, run, uh, off-road. Oh, ah, okay. Uh, somewhere in, I think it's Wildlike, so it's sort of this this neck of the woods in the June. So, um, oh, nice. yeah, it'll be a little leg stretcher, really, just to <laughs> remember what it's like to, yeah. you know, taste well, blood in the mouth and all that stuff <laughs> you were the only one that was probably out that day it was raining so that in itself will give you that extra edge <laughs> yeah 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 i'll be praying for that sort of weather again because i'll be hardened to it now. <laughs> um so before we finish off with news have you got any sort of rants or anything about tri suits or is there anything on your mind you need you, to go you would off? think this time of year would not be <laughs> optimal tri suit news right but, <laughs> Surely people aren't out training in their dry suits at the moment. You'd be right. Yeah, of course. However, surely not. Surely not. Not even not 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 even Pedro. I'm was not it sure Pedro I need your take it? on this. Is this better or is this worse than than training in the dry suit? Because I've joined a, uh, like the local triathlon club. Oh, no, club it's here not in, someone in your club, is it? No, You'll never be able to look at them the same again. Oh no. And uh, we have train uh, swim session. Uh, it's okay. 45 minutes on the Monday and a Wednesday, and it's a uh, it's a nice bunch, really friendly group of guys. They go there and uh, listen to swims fun. But um, on a Monday, I've noticed two weeks in a row now that there's one there's one club member who appears to be wearing a tri suit as underwear. What? So he he gets out the swim, has a shower, gets dry, and puts his tri suit on <laughs> underneath his clothes. What the- Two weeks in a row. Two I weeks in a row. So I, this isn't an accident. I can't even. I can't even. I can't. And I'm trying to decide, like, because it's like it's Osterwhite. It's Osterwhite Triathlon Club. Like, so he, I'm gonna say, like, he's not commuting a long way to get here. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like he's sort Sometimes of. Sometimes you'll get it. You know, someone will put the club hoodie on after a session or something. No, no, no. The tri suit. I can't. Get, I can't. I'm trying to think about a scenario where that would. That, that's it's, that's it's like exactly a, what I've been doing. He's so like, triathlon, like he's doing it in reverse. I, I don't get it. What is what is what? Is, so I, I started by thinking, is he is he cycling a long way home, and he needs the extra padding, and he's thinking this is a good way <coughs> to do it. But like, no. this is a local tri club. No one's doing that. No one's going far. 
So, I can only think he's telling his partner that he's somewhere else <laughs> and he's got to put that on <laughs> when he goes home to prove that he was maybe at a race or something. I, I can't... I can't <laughs> I'm just wondering whether, like, he's got... He's only got six pairs of undies. <laughs> and that's and, the wrong day. Monday, Monday's wash day. This is so bizarre, right? I think we need like, to... like, well... I think whoever listens to this, right, on the podcast, we want your theories on this. So let us know in the WhatsApp group because this one has got me a bit stumped. I have no idea. I think and also we, I, to make matters weirder, uh, they were different tri suits. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this is bizarre! Are you going to? Um, you're not there yet. You're fairly new into the club, aren't yeah, you? You're too not new quite. To ask. <laughs> Let's hope he's not browsing the browsing the uh, the the podcast directory, and he's like, "Oh, I might have a wee listen to this." That is uh, that is impressive. I mean. Yeah, I, I don't know. This is I, I'll be thinking about this. Like we, we need answers to this, right? <laughs> Anyone that's postcard. listening, yeah, we want answers on a postcard with this. <laughs> um, and in attack news, there's not a lot uh, really to to discuss other than the 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 the, the tri camp is coming up soon. Hopefully, Mallorca. well, just before that, um, oh, I, I did this note really last minute, but um, we have the AGM on the 17th of March, so obviously. Uh, annual general meeting. It's the big meeting each year. Um, <laughs> And the 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 good thing this year is it's actually you'd be live and in person. So um, ah. there'll be I think probably by the time most people listen to this, everyone should have an email, um, right. letting everyone know about you know the venue and uh, the location. I think it's uh, we'll we'll be finding a pub somewhere to it's down the south of Holland, right next to your house. I'm not organising it. <laughs> Otherwise, I would be insisting everyone wears tri suits as underwear and. <laughs> head down this way yeah, but, AGM um, so that's important that's where we all vote people in and all the formalities of the club and exactly and there's going to be quite a few positions yeah, open this time round so right. um, this again coming out in email if you've not received it keep an eye out or maybe check your, your spam and your various folders okay. so um, yeah a few positions becoming available um, we are a volunteer run club so if you've got any time or energy to, to put towards uh helping your fellow club members and you'd be uh, encouraged to do so. I think the, the sort of uh, deadline for sort of nominating either other people or yourself is uh, the 13th. Okay, cool. And then we have the try camp at the end of March. Actually, a couple of days later, I think. 20. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's the fun part, right? So end of <laughs> March, um, it's the Mallorca try camp. We've got, I think, 45 or 46 people now. Uh, Has anyone bailed yet? No one's bailed so far. I don't think so. No, there's one or two people who were who entered and then sort of let me know really early on that yeah, they yeah, weren't yeah. sure. Yeah, because um, there's a lot of people of interest. Like, you still there's a couple of questions a week at least. Oh, yeah. can I get in the tri camp? Yeah. Nope. Too late. So too late uh, now. The, too late now. Yeah. Everything's in. The logistics are sorted. The buses are booked. So, um, but rather than get into that in too much detail, what we thought is we're going to do another podcast yeah. early March. Yeah. And what we'll do is we'll dedicate Maybe that we whole podcast. Do it at the age, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be too late though, isn't it? Probably Aye. for a lot of people by then. Yeah, probably. You so I'm thinking um, sort of maybe first week of March or something like that. So everyone's got a bit of a, try to commit a couple me of to weeks this, to Matt. listen. I see what you're doing. I'm, you're making me commit to a date here publicly <laughs> and I'm not going to do it. I'm not doing it. 
It'll be before the camp. <laughs> we'll try. But we'll go through everything about the camp itself, what to expect, uh, yeah. any questions people might have. Maybe we can put it out to the group as well, no, see if you've got any yeah. questions. And um, answer those, and then hopefully I can sort of answer it once and we record it, and then yeah. uh, I don't have to answer the same questions 25 <laughs> yeah. times. But you will, because everyone will say, where, where, where in the podcast did you talk about how we get <laughs> yeah. to our rooms or something? You know, that'd be something. Um, okay, that's cool. So I think that's all for try and club news. So now I think we're going to move on to the sort of QA section. This is what it's all about. So people have given us questions. And I've just read in your notes here that it says, see other doc for questions. And I haven't got the other document. Because <laughs> yeah, so I've got them. Oh, right. Okay. So, okay. I thought that. Oh, it's just in case. So, <laughs> so um, I'm going to start with an easy one. An easy one, right. So I've, I've answered, uh, uh, right, okay. What, what, so what? what I'm thinking is uh, I'll read the question out, read who it's from, and uh, yep. sort of open it up to you first. I think you have a crack at it, and then uh, I'll sort of rate you and, and fill in any me. gaps. Right, right. <laughs> I'm going to bullet point it. Yeah, I'll bullet point it, because then I can sort of, if I'm completely wrong, I can say, yeah, but that's <laughs> what I was meaning, you know, it was just a high-level can... sort of answer here. See, see if you've got a future in politics. <laughs> I would not want to be in politics at this moment in time, that's for sure. Right, okay, let's go. Hit me. Easy okay. question, number one. Easy win. So this one's from um, Eleonora, and she said, best triathlon books? Question mark. Best triathlon books? Ah, best triathlon. Is this the one that we were talking about earlier? Yeah, so I'll give you a heads of, up yeah, on yeah. this one, because I thought this one maybe needed a little bit more uh, It's because you know I'm very time. ill-prepared. That's what it is. You're putting it very politely, this. It's because you know I I'm also going, needed eh. to look a few up. <laughs> um, oh, best triathlon books or books that have helped you with triathlon. Yeah, so I think you're you're right, exactly. So we, uh, she asked about triathlon books, but I think you could maybe sort of expand it or... Yep. or broaden the question to anything that's helped you with yep. triathlon or sport or cycling yep. or whatever it might be. Yeah. One thing I would say, cause I've went all through my life wanting books to help me learn a new thing or understand something or whatever. And I go through phases where books are helpful and books are not helpful and everyone's different. So what I have learned, the, the moral of this little rant or story at the moment is that what works for one doesn't always work for another. But that said, it's always good to get a recommendation. So the best book, I have been, or I have read that has helped me with triathlon would be David Goggins. Um, and I first came across him actually in someone else's book by, it was called Seal, was the name of the book, I think. I can't remember the guy's name. He's married to the founder of Spanx, um, and I forget her name as well. But anyway, and that's where he was mentioned, and that's where I'd heard about this this guy called Goggins. Um, and then he he came out with his own book, and it's called Can't Hurt Me. And it's all about his life and his sort of motivation to to perform, shall we say? Um, it's yeah, he's a, a he does a lot of like various types of fitness challenges and and physical challenges and just different level. Like yeah. he's not even an athlete. He's not an athlete in that he goes into events to do things. He's just his mind is just like I, I can't even describe him. He's just crazy. It's like he he'd never done an ultra, I think, and then in order to get into an ultra, he had to do like a hundred kilometer race or something. So he just went out and done it and ended up breaking his feet, but he just kept running, running, running. I mean, there are so many parts to this guy's life that are inspirational. And that's why for me it helps me um, you know, 
do any sort of event where, where the yeah. going gets tough. And I used to have that in a wee wristband that I had. I would just like, I had this little line that says, what would Goggins do? And I would look at it if, if shit's really bad. Uh, like when I was doing my ultra marathon, I wore it. I never had to look at it, thankfully. But it was that, that, that sort of mindset was for me, like just think if shit's really that bad, just think of Goggins because he's just a, a machine. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's called it's called Can't Hurt Me, and it's by David Goggins. So that that's a book. And then I have read some others, and I don't forget the names. They talk about it a lot in the group. Um, the very famous guy is it Frail or Frail? Joe Frail, yeah. Yeah, that that's a that's actually a very good book if you want to understand the technical part yeah. of periodization and how to break it down and all the rest of it. And I would say uh, if you want the scientific part, that's always that that was good good for me. Yeah, I think uh, it's the Triathlon Training Bible by That's Joe the one. I think there's multiple editions now even. Yeah, yeah. many, many. It's probably 20 <laughs> years old, maybe even more. Yeah. Um, just in case, Friel is F-R-I-E-L. So yeah. and that was, if that you're looking was good. at stuff. But I would say on that front is, um, I think it's still like probably one of the best resources, but like the democratization of sort of content. Nowadays, I wonder, I, I think you can probably get most of that information free via various yeah. other podcasts or sort of pretty good training schedules, which are written in, I don't know, triathlete.com or things like that. So um, if you, you know, if you're interested in getting to know the, you know, some of the the theory and the science behind it, it's a good starting point. Yeah. Um, I also have read a couple of like, uh, like autobiographies by various triathletes. So Chris McCormick, uh, the Brownlee brothers, and I found them pretty shit <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. kind of boring yeah so i wouldn't recommend going down that route if you're gonna go down the autobiography route i think there's a, a few cyclists um so the david miller um mm. uh it's got a couple of books and I, I think they're really good and uh who's the guy who uh the whistleblower um, oh, Tyler. Floyd Landis. Tyler, oh, Floyd, uh, yeah, yeah, Floyd Landis. Yeah. yeah. Is he? Is he? I haven't read his book. I've read Tyler. Is it Hamilton's him or book. no? No, no. Tyler Hamilton. That's, that's who I'm book. going for. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting book. and yeah. about sort of the the slippery slope of of doping. Yeah, it, 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 I tell you, after I read that book. What two things happened? One, I was like, "Oh, Lance might actually be guilty." <laughs> <laughs> he finally two, gave in. <laughs> and and two was how it also made me realise that you can't blame any one person for the for what was going on at that time. Yeah, there was ringleaders. Lance was a bit of an ass, an absolute ass to everyone. But generally, um, it was just so rife that you, it was a if culture. you, yeah, and it doesn't make it right. But if you wanted to win that sport, you had to yeah. do it. Um, I think the David Miller book as well, like that gives a yeah, lot of... Yeah, because he got um, caught as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it gives the, the same sort of... Uh, it, it, make, it humanizes that approach, you know? And yeah. I think drugs yeah. are, are sort of performance enhancing. Yeah. Drugs very relevant at the moment, obviously, yeah. with the Olympic skater, but yeah, is yeah, it, yeah. we're very quick to demonize anyone that takes them and, and sort of... That's what I, f I think that's a good way of putting it. It humanizes it. I think when I read the Tyler Hamilton one, that that really... Um, I can't remember the name of it. I read it years ago. Yeah. That was a really good eye-opener. Uh, Pantani's uh, book is also pretty good as well. I mean, I've not read that one. Yeah, it's it was done... After he passed, so it must have been done. I don't know. That makes it a biography then, or does that make it an autobiography? I never get them the way. Someone else wrote it. Um, I think. I think. But it's also a very good book. Very good book. Nice. Um, just uh, a couple of others I wanted to mention, that, which they buy a triathlete, but not about triathlon per se. Actually, Alistair Brownlee's written a book, which is um, the secrets of the sporting elite, and essentially sort of using his position mm. to go and to speak to people who were. That's cool. 
gold medalists or Olympic or you know like the best of the best in their particular sport (laughs) yeah exactly but he's obviously a very smart guy and it's sort of a uh, like him trying to define sort of what, what makes a great sports person. Mm. Um, I would also really recommend Atomic Habits by James Clear, which is not about sport per se, but sort of how you can create a life which um, prioritizes sort of creating better habits to becoming a better person, whatever definition you want to apply that to. And the last one, which I really enjoyed, is a book called Endure, and that's by Alex Hutchinson. And again, looking at sort of... Um, the limits of human performance, uh, particularly around like endurance. Um, so it's not necessarily triathlon related, but yeah. it's sort of endurance sports and looking at what the the body is capable of. And for me, I find that more inspiring than kind of reading another Chris McCormick autobiography. Yeah. And one thing that I find just as a general thing, it probably affects others more than, than uh, well, it affects other people in different ways, but me certainly is there's having the patience to sit down and read a book these days because you have so much at your fingertips. You know, if a video isn't any more than 90 seconds or 60 seconds, you're uninterested. If someone sends you an article that takes more than four minutes, you're like, why are you sending me this? This is one of the biggest challenges <laughs> I am having at the moment. <laughs> I'm actually reading a book called How to Break Up With Your Phone. <laughs> <laughs> for that very reason you know and this is what a lot of us you know i think about the the triathlete bible book um you know you really need to set aside the time and the mm-hmm. mindset and the frame i do given how attached i am to be connected to this 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 internet and the phone and whatever else and so um yeah it's it's getting the t- it's making the time for these things as well i hope i hope no one is as bad as i am <laughs> Anyway, next question. Okay, question two. So we're getting into the sort of nitty gritty a bit more. And this oh. one's from Celine. Okay. So Celine's question. My Garmin is telling me that 90% of the time I'm either detraining or unproductive. Yeah. Is the information reliable and how can I improve this? Right. You want to hear my answer to that? Because I tell well, friends this. Should we just give a bit of background just in case you don't know what Celine's talking about? Well, I more... can, even I think I can do that because I suffer okay, from Okay, explain what this is. Usually you wear a Garmin, it tracks you doing all your events and th- doing all your, your training. Usually a wristwatch, it's doing all your, your it's tracking all your, your activity. And if people wear it out with uh, sport, it's also tracking just your heart rate throughout the day. And some of them, like mine does pulse, it, it does your blood oxygen, it does... Um, like a fitness tracker in that sense as Yeah, well. but a lot more advanced, like it can even do HR, heart rate variability, all this kind of stuff, right? So it, it, it's tracking a lot of metrics. And then when you finish, um, <laughs> I'm laughing because I know what answer I'm going to give you. When you finish an activity, it will say um, you're... 90% productive or something is, is to, to quote Celine's uh, text there or you know it will tell you take 17 hours recovery or these kind of things is it is that what, that's what she's referring to exactly right? yeah it's usually got like how your training load looks are you in a productive sort of training state yeah. at the moment right and what your recovery should be yeah. and I think this probably isn't unique to Garmin I've got more experience with Garmin but I'm guessing sort of all the various brands have yeah, I've only, to it. I used Tom Tom. I know, I've never seen it, but um, only with Garmin. Um, and what was the question actually? So Celine's question again is: My Garmin's telling me ninety percent of the time yeah, yeah, I'm no, either detraining or unproductive. Is yeah, the information reliable, and how that can I improve on it? How can I improve on it? Um, <laughs> I should disclaim this by saying Matt will follow up with the right answer, but I would say. <laughs> 
do not pay too much attention to it. I would even go as far as to say it's bullshit because it doesn't actually... It depends, I think, how much you're tracking. If you are doing heart rate variability, if you are doing your, your heart rate during the day, if you are, the more metrics it has, one can only assume it's getting a better picture of your snapshot in time when you finish that activity. Me, personally, I don't pay too much attention to it. Um, I go on how I feel and what my plan is and I know through the years what I'm capable of. So if it says that I need 48 hours recovery, um, maybe maybe if it did do that, I would take it. <laughs> I'd say, sorry, coach, but I've only got <laughs> to, I have to take two days. I tend to to go with my plan and how I feel. That said, um, I would I would guess, and Matt's going to correct all this, but I would guess if, if you have no plan or you have no set structure, you are new to triathlon, you don't know your um, how your body is adapting and reacting to things, I would guess then it's maybe a good start. But that's how I would answer that. But I could be wrong. I'm going to give it like 7 out of 10. I think that's a pretty uh, solid answer. <laughs> My first answer was just going to be bullshit. <laughs> well, but I toned it back. Sorry, Celine. No, you, you're pretty much right with both though. Um, well, okay, so here's the big kicker here. You never tell your Garmin what you're going to race or which race you're doing. So how can you be fit for or productive if it doesn't know what you're trying to be productive for? So yeah. that's the big problem here. So therefore, what it does as a kind of proxy for this is it takes a overall look at what it defines as fitness. So let's take running, for example, as an easy one. Then it's going to look at sort of the time and uh, it's a, yeah volume, but it's usually time. Time you spend in sort of recovery zone uh, or zone two. So your sort of aerobic fitness is how it cl classes that. Then right. you've got your sort of um, anaerobic fitness and then you've got your VO2 max fitness. And generally speaking, most watches look at it in that, that way. And they're looking for you to spend X amount of time, probably 70% of your time in aerobic, but then you also need to spend 20, uh, 20 sort of uh, sweet spot tempo or sort of around threshold. Um, so that'd be your 10K kind of pace, race pace. And then five, 10% a week, whatever, um, at VO2. So that's your sprints, your track sprints kind of thing. So <clears throat> firstly, that doesn't take any periodization into account. Yeah. So again, if you're racing in July, why would you now be doing track sprints twice a week just to, just to serve your Garmin kind yep. of thing? Yeah. Um, you wouldn't in that, you know, be doing that in that way at all. And also, you know, as you get fitter at a different point, you might sort of, uh, if you're training for say a sprint triathlon, you could shorten those uh, the, the, those long aerobic ri uh, runs or rides, whatever, um, a bunch, and then it would tell you that you're sort of underserving that. So, I think you're absolutely right. If you if you don't have a race in mind and you're just training generally to be a bit fit, I think it's a decent, you know, sort of it's going to make you better. It's going to make you slightly more rounded if you're sort of at the beginning of your sports journey, let's say, and uh, you're just sort of wanting to generally get a bit faster, I think it's pretty good. But otherwise, I would basically ignore it. I think you can, it's like all these things, right? You don't have to believe the whole of it to believe some of it. And so things like the recovery, it comes up with like, you need 36 hours recovery. I wouldn't re recommend taking three days recovery, but it probably does tell you you're pretty fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It, you know, you might want to take a rest day the next yeah. day. I'm, so uh... I think, you know, you can you can use the parts that you want to use out of that but um yeah. ultimately they it's getting you into its predefined version of 360 yeah. degree fitness which yeah. 
Yeah, I, I've always found it to be to, to to. I think you summed it up by saying it doesn't know what my plan is, so how could it know what the future and you know blah 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 blah. And it's true, like you know, if I've done a harder session, yeah, I'll see that my recovery hours has went up, but that that you know, and and yeah, I expect that, and usually it sort of fits the general you know pattern of my of my plan. But I think if you're following a plan and you know your body, I, I tend not to pay too much attention yeah. to it. But um, well, there and we I think go. that speaks to because Celine said, "How can I improve on this?" And the answer is, "Don't, yeah, <laughs> don't look just, at it." Uh, essentially, yeah. I mean, because I mean, you can improve on it by following the watch's suggestions, suggested workouts, but then you're probably not going to be training optimally for the event that you're training Yeah, for. I mean, we never spoke so. about suggested workouts. That's another thing. Like, it gives you these suggested workouts each day. And, and again, I would use your your words or what I was alluding to as well, that it doesn't know my plan. It doesn't know what I'm doing. And so I would tend not to pay too much uh, attention to that. Um, get a coach. That's what to do. Yeah. And it yeah. doesn't even necessarily know which other sports you're doing. So, True. you know... A lot of aerobic benefits come on the bike, for example. Yeah. So it you was, know, it doesn't. <laughs> there was one of these stories when the Fitbit first came out because it was tracking people having sex, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and people were all like, "Oh, look, you know, trying to show their sports off," and then suddenly it was like activity for four hundred calories was sex and eleven twenty five. There was, a, there was a, <laughs> I was only ten calories. There was a there was a whole hoo-ha about it, data protection, privacy, that kind of thing. So anyway, <laughs> that came to mind there. Right, question number three, especially if. Uh, if your other half was away that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, so Celine's got a follow-up question um, ah, okay. on a different Gosh, topic. making it hard for me. So uh, I have a race coming up in May. It's a half Ironman. How do I know when to start a structured training plan? You don't just follow your watch. <laughs> just follow the watch. How do I know when to start? I mean, this this is how long is a piece of string, right? I will quote the words of my coach uh, who will say, "Is <laughs> is there's a couple of things, right? How long have you got? What tools do you have? What's your goal? That kind of thing. And work it back. We, we do the same at work. You know, when we've got a project deadline. You work it back. How much time do we have? What resource do we have available? Et cetera, et cetera. I would say... Um, I would say there's no, it depends what you mean by start. Did she say, when do I start structured training? When do training? I start a structured training plan? Yeah, and it, dep- it actually depends what you mean by that because I would say your structured training can begin, begin uh, this is all what I've learned through you actually, is your structured training can begin two weeks after your last race. It just happens to be that that structure is quite loose and free and easy and long or sloggy, you know. It's just like just putting the miles in and just like yeah. um and it's everything that we talk about where are you now and then it could be that the 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 tougher part comes maybe 12 weeks before and you start building up to it so it's it's kind of how you defining structure i've got a friend who's doing a half ironman with me and when we do this one near copenhagen and he he's just not putting the he's not doing the he didn't start structure training shall we say when he should have which would have been just the long boring kind of base training type miles because he's had in the back of his head that he's got this 12 week program that he got for a magazine and I think he thinks well if it's 12 weeks I only need 12 weeks and I think the idea is yeah if you have some sort of fitness or you or you don't have any time before that or you just want to you know avoid injury then yeah maybe you could use that 12 week thing but that's not to say you couldn't do a lot better if you started it earlier. That, that's my answer on that. I'm good. Seven, eight out of ten Ooh, this time. I think that's it's pretty good. good. I'm taking the eight. Yeah. The eight I think uh, that's you know, all you, you've covered most of the points there. They, so I'll give an example. Um, there was uh, one athlete I coached towards his first Ironman, and he only had four or five hours a week to train. Right. So he started <coughs> structured training 12 months before because yep. – 
we always knew he was going to be time crunched. He had incredibly demanding job, but had a big family, you know, so we had to make the most of that time for 12 months to get him there. Did he find more time towards the end once he started getting into it? No, not really. No, okay, um, okay, okay. I'm just we curious. had a couple of weeks here and there with like vacations and things where yep. we could step it up, but really, you know, he had to, he had to be sort of on, on the button really sort of from quite early on. Right. Now, most of it, yeah, like I would say, again, look at your goals like if you, and where you are. If you're, if you're kind of off the sofa and want to do an Ironman in 12 months, you're probably going to start now, right? And you're right, structure doesn't have to always mean sort of intensity, yeah. but it can just mean adding a little bit of structure in terms of I'm going to swim twice a week, I'm going to run twice a week, I'm going to yeah. ride twice a week. One of those is going to be a longer ride and one's going to be a short, hard ride. Like that's a structured training plan. But I think what Celine means is probably more like what the, the more typical kind of plan that you do get from a magazine or from, you know, a, a coach or, or maybe buy off training peaks or that kind of thing. Yeah. Now, I think you've nailed that one as well in terms of, I think probably for, let's say for half or a full, definitely, I would say 12 weeks. And the reason I'd say that is I think after two to three months, the mental fatigue of keeping up a hard plan is so overwhelming that you don't want to sort of start too much earlier. So if you can keep sort of that train for training or train to train phase, so you still doing plenty before that, but maybe sort of a little bit less structure, enjoying some group rides for long rides, whatever, you know, just adding that a little bit more kind of ad hoc, then uh, get to that 12 week point and then start to push a little bit harder with a little bit more structure in mind and bearing in mind that probably from about eight weeks out, your sessions should start to look quite a lot like, uh, or will look quite a lot like your, your race in terms of the power that you can push on the bike or the pace you can maintain on the bike or the run or, you know, all these things about eight weeks out, that's probably about where you're going to be. And then you're looking mm. at kind of maintaining that and, and making sure you stay strong through to race day. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that was question three. Thanks, Celine. So this one is from uh, Job. <coughs> and he says, how do you signal overtraining? And what is the best way to deal with overtraining when you do? You look at your watch and it says you've got 14 recovery. <laughs> See answer to number one. <laughs> How do you signal overtraining? What is dear the best Garmin. thing? I mean, <laughs> dear Garmin. Um, overtraining. Yeah. I mean, it could be many things. I think the obvious one for me would be an injury, like an injury. And so we call it an unforced injury. So it's like, you haven't just fallen off the road. Cause I have done that where you've sort of pulled something. And you're like, shit, where did that come from? That kind of thing could could be a, a signal of overtraining. Um, fatigue, I think, is probably one of the common ones. And, and it's knowing what that fatigue is and when that fatigue hits. Because, yeah, there are times I've done a session, I've woke up and it's and I'm a bit like, oh, I'm tired. But I now know the difference between just being tired and the body has had too much. And that usually comes in the form of heart rate sometimes is too high too soon or things like that for me. Um, or sometimes, now, now you'll correct me about what is right here, but I've actually seen it where I just can't get my heart rate up. I try and I just can't get it up for for, yep. for a reason and it usually comes back to some sort of overtraining thing. Um, so I would say those are the sort of statistic numbery type things, feelings. Uh, sorry, the, in terms of the numbers. And, and as I said at the beginning, feeling, I think you, you begin, and the more you do it, and this isn't, this isn't always so easy when you're new to triathlon, but the more you train, I find you... you can feel it um and if you want to get what one last thing if you want to get really more technical i think hr a heart rate variability is something that people are kind of raving on about now you get it in the garments if you wear the strap uh, but you also get it now with wearables like rings and 
things like that. That, from what I understand, I've never done it. From what I understand, that can be a real, real good indication of the body being too tired or some sickness or something coming on. You're getting too good. I think I can. Uh, <laughs> I can give up. You can just do this on your own. <laughs> I've got to have no excuses now when my performances are so shit at the races. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I know all the theory. It's just putting it into practice. <laughs> so, the, well, firstly, I want to. There's two two things or. or one one sort of uh, thing to distinguish here and you've got overtraining and overreaching okay. and overtraining like most people but when they talk about overtraining it's actually sort of more scientifically known as overreaching or within physiology circles so overtraining is a chronic probably over months and months maybe even over years and it tends to have um a hormonal impact and, and especially That's um, serious, on women it can be quite yeah re- really quite um have a huge impact because obviously it impacts the menstrual cycle an awful mm. lot as well once the hormones go yeah uh go a little wild so it's a, it can be very serious and it, i mean to the point of it taking four or five years to sort of correct and that's sort of very unlikely to occur unless you're probably sort of at the pointier end of a, an age grouper or or a pro athlete um, if you do go through something sort of maybe big emotionally or physically or, or sort of your, I don't know, trying to launch a startup whilst also doing, you know, something that it may be that it, it could come on a bit quicker because, you know, stress is stress by, from the body's perspective and, and trying to deal with that and the, the sort of, um, constant adrenaline and cortisol dance, you know, kind of taking place that that's going to impact. But for most people, I think what they're referring to is, is more sort of known as overreaching, but, you know, we tend to refer to it as overtraining. And I think you've absolutely nailed it. So from a, I, I would say twice in the last 10 years, I've reached sort of a, a point of definite overtraining. In sort of coincidentally, not long after them both, I got quite seriously sick. So I think it was, um, seriously sick makes it sound like I had cancer or something. Like mm-hmm. I did and I had pneumonia, but, um, right. you know, like sort of not a cold. Yeah, at least. So maybe they were rolled into one or maybe one caused the other in that sense. But I think um, it's kind of hard to nail, but I would say look at your normal habits and look for changes in them because for some people it could be sleeplessness and others it could be I can't get out of bed. Um, for some it's an elevated heart rate and for some it's a, a depressed yeah. heart rate. Yeah, yeah. And the, the big, big giveaway I think is once you've been training a while, there are sessions you don't look forward to. There are certain days where it's horrible to go out, but more or less all of us enjoy training. Yeah. When you get sort of two or three days or even a week in a row of, oh, I don't even know why I do this. I'm rubbish. I hate this. That's time to take a week off. Just take <laughs> a week off. I had that when we were mountain biking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, you can, you can differentiate like the external yeah, reasons course, for yeah. that yep. at that point. So, but if that, if there's no other reason for it almost, and you're just like, oh, you know, I just don't want to do this. We've had that over the years where you've coached me. We've had that where I've had those feelings and you've literally said, let's just take a week of unstructured, just do what you want, you know. Do what you want for a week. Do what you want. Or or even like do, make sure you don't do sport for a week or don't swim by grunt specifically for a week. If you want to play tennis or go play around with golf or whatever it be, Mm. go do that take some time off and then so that's sort of the the sort of the symptoms and then yeah touching on on what you were saying i think hrv is a a really interesting way to acknowledge to to look at these things and you said there's a bunch of devices um i've never done it i've only read about it a lot i know it's everyone raves about it i've never done it i have to have to say i think if you're sort of anything sort of uh approaching sort of mid-pack 
serious triathlete, let's say you're anywhere near even 10 hours a week, I would recommend right. taking your HRV, right? And you, you don't have to get an aura ring, you don't have to get a whoop, you don't, like your Garmin's got some stuff, but there's a, an app, HRV for training. Um, the guy that invented it, Marco, actually lives in Amsterdam. Oh. But uh, it's nine, it's, I think it's 10 euros and you own it for life. And you use a camera on the back of your phone and it's sort of the industry standard. Like it's such a great app. It's like, you know, it's one minute and there's various sort of uh, considerations about, you know, should you not get out of bed? Should you sit up? Should <laughs> you stand up? All these things. Whatever you do, do it at the same Consistent. time every day and yeah. try and do it every day. Yeah. And what you'll see is it like oscillates over time. Like if you've had a bad night's sleep, it'll go down. If you've had a big session, it'll go down. Usually, not always. And you'll start to see patterns. And it's like one minute of your day invested. And if it goes down for three or four days and you get sick, you don't care about that. If it goes down for two days and you've had a couple of hard sessions and you get to your rest day, you don't care about that. If you see a week or two and it keeps going down and you've got no real explanation, take a week off. That's when you're right. reaching overtraining or overreaching kind of, yep, yeah, yep, yep. that sort of element. But I think that's a really good way to, to go about it. It's, um, it's a really user-friendly, easy app to get as well. Like it's literally the back of your phone. You use your camera on the back of your phone. That's cool. And it's one minute a day. And so I literally, I get the kids ready, get them up, give them their breakfast. And I've got like three minutes to myself <laughs> when they're eating breakfast. <laughs> and I sit down on the sofa and that's my sort of cue to sit and, mm -hmm. and take my HRV for one minute. Yeah. And it's probably... so. It, this isn't a score that you should compare to other people, right? right. HRV is entirely individual. Yeah. It also gives you your heart rate, which is interesting to me because I often see when I am sort of overreaching a little bit that my, something will happen with my heart rate as well. It mm. could go up, it could go down. Usually it's up for me. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I think it just helps you spot those patterns. But again, you're not looking for a short-term pattern. You're not looking to optimize it. Like you don't want to get a 10 out of 10. That's not how it works. You're just comparing with yourself and how you recover. Yeah. So, um, okay. Yeah, What's the name of the app again? HRV for training. It's a okay. HRV with the, with the number four and training. And oh, okay. it also will, uh, does a, a bunch of cool stuff with your training data. If you link your Strava or your Garmin account and it can give you, if you've done a full range of different types of uh, training, it can also do a good estimation of your VO2 max and things oh, like that. So kind of cool app, but just, just for that heart rate variability thing, 10 euros, save yourself the 30 euros a month of a whoop or yeah. uh, however many hundred euros for an aura ring. And uh, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that'll, that'll do the job for you. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. Question five or six? Five. five, five. Yeah. Okay. So we've got two more left. So this is Alex. Compared to the swim and the run, what, what percentage or kilometers or time should I dedicate for cycling for training for a 70.3? And should you ride on what distance or heart rate? Oh, okay. So he's saying based on sort of, I'm training for a 70.3, yeah. how much percentage of time should I dedicate to cycling and what should I base my uh, riding on? Yeah. Okay. This answer doesn't apply to everyone. It's, it's very individual. It, it sort of, what is your weakest... Um... Or, or what are you good at and what you're not so good at? And then sort of take the split that way. So if you are a fantastic cyclist, relatively, so relatively I'm a fantastic cyclist when it comes to, to triathlon, in that I'm a better cyclist than I'm a swimmer or a runner, we, and I'm quite a powerful cyclist, we tend to not focus, uh, we tend to not prioritise cycling over, over my running and my swimming. So I think you've got to take that into account. And so what is your start point? Where are you now? Um, and if you're, you know, you, most people tend to be very good runners 
that, that I come across anyway in triathlon. They, they either tend to be very good runners or they were very good swimmers at school or something and they're, you know, usually pretty slim and they can run anyway and cycling is, their, is the one that they're not so strong at. I sort of came at it the other way. In which case then you maybe want to do an extra session of of um, on the bike or something like that. So that that is the way I would approach that. So it's really, it's one of these like, where are you now <clears throat> and, you know, what is strongest um, and what is weakest and, and, and do it that way. You have to at least make sure that you get one of these, you, you do get a ride or two in. Um, but that is the way I would focus uh, in terms of how much time you give to one or the other. There was a second part to the question. What was it? Should you ride based on what distance oh, yeah, that was or heart rate? Yeah, um, again, <laughs> so it's like, what are you good at? What are you not so good at? And then this is, what have you got and what have you not got? Um, using the term what. What do you have? If you've got a power meter, it tends to be more consistent, I think, and get better results so that you know in a race situation that you can sustain a certain power for, for, for that race. So I would say if you have a power meter, use it. You don't have a power meter, then maybe you want to look at your heart rate. You don't have a heart rate monitor or a power meter, don't do triathlon. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Then, you know, go on feel. But it's kind of what tools do you have and 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 how can you use them? That That is how I would answer that question. If you haven't got enough tools or technology, then you shouldn't be doing triathlon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, no, that wouldn't be my final answer. But, but that, that, yeah, my answer is that's what I would say. Yeah, I'm good. At six out of ten, maybe. Oh, come on. I thought that was solid, that one. Six. No, it's good. It was good, but uh, you missed oh, some key points, I reckon. All right. So, uh, in terms of the time, I'm just going to go like, <laughs> like, after being lots of uh, it depends or I'm not sure, I'll just go super concise on this one. <laughs> 50%. Or, or use this as a, a ballpark thing 50% of the total time you have to train. Think right. about that for cycling. Right. And then I would definitely take into account what you said. If it's, if you're, you know, relatively speaking, a stronger cyclist, then like maybe that becomes 45%. Mm -hmm. If you're relatively speaking a, a weaker cyclist, then maybe that becomes 55%. Yep. Um, but generally speaking, yeah, I would say half of your time should be dedicated to, to the bike. Even in the winter, off season, probably not, or still. Possibly, although you maybe would, um, add a, a sort of a, a greater slice of um, some strength and mobility uh, work yeah, at that yeah, point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it might be a bigger sort of slice of the pie or, you know, yeah. you'd, you'd sort of separate it more obviously between those four things rather than just yeah. the three or three in a supplementary okay. session. And then sort of for the rest, if, if we look at all, so 50% is, is cycling, I'd say 20% swimming and 30% running. Let's, let's sort of give those sort of ballparks. And then, like you said, move the dial accordingly, according to your strengths. And then the second part of the question, well, I think there's two parts here because he says uh, watts or distance or heart rate. Ah, distance, so, I must know. Yeah, so like in terms of how to set your sessions or sort of how to ramp up, I would say we always do sessions over time, right? So yeah. whether it's cycling or running, everything's done over time, not, not distance, because obviously distance can depend on I have to say, as a, a busy professional, shall we say, which most of us are, time is the constant, right? So I know yeah. my session might be hard, it might be easy, it might be in the middle, but I know how much time I've got to give to it. And that's one thing that we don't always appreciate when you run for time and not for distance. Because yeah. I could have an easy session that's a 10K and it actually takes me an hour or an hour and a half, whatever, you know, versus, you know, what, what, what I thought I had only dedicated 45 minutes for. So time's quite good if you have, if you lead a sort of busy life as well. Yeah, you know what you're just, getting into. Just throwing that in there. But anyway. And then, so yeah, like for a long ride, for example, it might be, you know, it's two hours one week, two hours 15 the next week, two hours 30 the next yep. week. 
and you're building up from there. And obviously you're mostly sort of making an estimate in your head about which loop you're going to do or where you're going to ride to, to fit that. So, you know, it may not always fit exactly, but tend yeah. to use time for all those things. And then, yeah. no, I think you're right about what tools you have, and, but let's assume you have them all, um, or you, you know, you can draw on everything. Then you're right. Power is probably the, uh, you know, it, it, it's the most consistent. Um, it doesn't change sort of day to day, uh, in, so much as like if you're feeling sick, if you're tired, if you've had a cup of coffee, if you're dehydrated, yeah. heart rate can vary enormously there. Just but make sure you that, use the same power meter. That's one thing to say yes. there. Because yeah. often from, some, from some people might go and use the watt bike at the gym and then go on their bike and wonder why there might be a slight discrepancy. Yeah. At least know what the discrepancy is if you're yeah, going exactly. that. Yeah. So yeah, and that, so power is the more, and definitely for something like intervals, I would say power and do them on, you know, sort of ideally on a sort of a closed setting. So that could be a watt bike or it could be uh, the home train or, or whatever that might be. For longer rides, to be honest, I, I tend to be very lacked or, or sort of, um, well, as we get closer to races, there may be sort of more and more of the ride, which will have what's involved as we try to make those training sessions look more like rides, uh, sorry, look more like the race. But for, for sort of, a, say, this time of year, if you're just trying to build some aerobic fitness, I'd probably not even bother. Well, I wouldn't even bother with, uh, with heart rate or, or uh, power in terms of setting the session. I'd just be like, go out, have fun and keep it easy. Yeah. Um, because you're just building sort of aerobic fitness at that point. If it's sort of more like two hours on the home trainer, then obviously you want to have a target there and you'd use watts for that. And often, you know, to make sure you're not overdoing it as well. But what I would say is like, whilst power is objective in that sense, rather than subjective or sort of uh, more subjective, like the, uh, the heart rate is, you shouldn't ignore the heart rate. So I think it is good to track that data because if, you know, suddenly you're pushing 200 watts and 200 watts usually gives, you know, 135 beats per minute and suddenly you're at 155, it might be an indication that there's something going on. And then you can sort of ask yourself why that might be the case or, you know, the other way around. And if if it gets lower and lower, that could mean that you're getting fitter and fitter. So you're able to push the same power for a less sort of toll, you know, less physiological toll. You become more efficient. yeah, exactly. Or it might mean that you're severely di- dehydrated and you <laughs> pass out. Yeah, and so. then see previous answers. <laughs> okay. Oh, good, good, good. Six out of ten. No, I thought I'd do better than that. Right. So last. Okay, this is your chance. This is your last question. Yeah, but you so, always uh, save the best one for last. I'm sure this is going to get yeah, me. It's a it's a timely one as well. Okay. On, on topic. So, can you provide some guidance on how to, on how best to get back into training post Omnicron? While people have ver- or may experience varying levels of infection severity and post-infection fatigue, ultimately any general point is to get back into it and ultimately to a level where we, were, where, where we were would be helpful. Yeah. So how do you get back into training and how do you get back to where you were <coughs> post-COVID? Is this anonymous or do we have a name to this? Oh, sorry, this is from Dan. Dan, right. I would say to this, Dan, um, I would say... <laughs> And first I'd say I'm not a medical professional. And now I'm going to say what I'm about (laughs) to say. Uh, I would sort of say 
how do you I'd expand it to how do you get back to to any sort of exercise after any sort of bout of illness um I'm not sure there is COVID specific advice here but there probably is respiratory illness advice here um and so if I'm sick or you know I've had advice from you when I'm sick I think it's it goes back to a lot of the previous answers it's you know how is the body feeling how are you feeling what are this what are the numbers telling you if you have the numbers available um, and then uh, see what you think is feasible. And I would say sort of err on the side of caution and that just start extremely, extremely slow and work up to it. If there's any sort of doubt, if there's any sort of um, uh, something doesn't feel right, just start slow, just work into it. And to use your word, that you, you phrase you've given me in the past, I think you've said sort of work, not work into it, but... Um, sort of lean towards the lean towards the the uh the training or something so that would be my advice just uh, take it easy no uh, eight out of ten well that's good that's good <laughs> recovery there might be some more official lines but i'm I'm being very really cautious here because i'm not a doctor but i've been there enough times even the now with a with a cough that i've had for god knows how long it, um it's the body, the feedback from the body lets me know what's too much and it sort of goes to the previous uh, answers as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the same, yeah, we should uh, stress. I am not a medical doctor. <laughs> However, if I were a medical doctor in the Netherlands, <laughs> I would advise you to go to bed and take a paracetamol. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I think you covered most of it, but um, I can give sort of... A, sort of coach or seen, you know, files and, and uh, listen to a few podcasts as well of various athletes um, who, who have had either maybe not even Omicron, but more severe mm-hmm. bouts of COVID as well. And um, I think you're absolutely right. So you want to obviously take enough rest. I think there's, there's often an anxiety or, or sort of feeling that, you know, any time off the bike or off the run is, you know, you're losing fitness, but yeah. ultimately if you wait an extra week or two weeks, but manage to get back into it rather than sort of taking two, you know, trying to start too early, taking one week, then being sort of unable to do something for a few days. Uh, yeah, I've seen that kind of happen over months and months and months from somebody just trying to get back into it from, you know, any severe illness too early. So I think take that initial rest seriously. And then the next thing to do is literally sort of take your ego and find a, a very deep hole and bury it down there. <laughs> and don't be afraid to do things like walk or to, yeah. you know, um, sort of uh, go the treadmill in, you know, in the gym for 10 minutes or, you know, as part of like maybe doing a, a little bit of strength work, which is less sort of um, cardiovascularly intensive. Yeah. But, you know, you could sort of do you know, a little bit of mobility, a little bit yeah. of stretching. I mean, I was doing some this things like that. over Christmas. I had that, you know, this, I was just feeling a bit crappy. Um, yeah. And it was like, just just do a, just go in the swim pool for 30 minutes and just paddle if you have to. Like, yeah. just see, or go you know. for a long walk instead, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. of, um, of going for a run. So, yeah. And yeah, it I helped, think- I have to say. And, and the, you made a good point about ego because you feel a bit... Um, this isn't right. Some, you know, I should be doing more. I yeah. should be doing this. Or but, you remember who you were before you were sick. And yeah. I think that's the really important thing is yeah. that you're not trying to chase that, that you yeah. have to sort of accept that 
you know, look at it as, as sort of like coming back to the sport six yeah. months later or whatever. Oh, I, I, I've been dwelling on who I was when I was 18 for almost 20 <laughs> years now. I'm past that. <laughs> I'm never going to be that guy. <laughs> but one, uh, one of the things I've seen, they've yeah, seen sort of um, at close hand is um, the heart rate tends to be quite high on a lot of people who have had some form of, of uh, COVID. And I'm sure Omnicron follows that. Okay, I'm going to tell everyone on the podcast now, right? My wife, uh, <laughs> until last week, believed that people were talking about lung COVID what? <laughs> instead of long COVID. She thought it was l- lung COVID. Lung COVID, lung, yeah. Lung COVID. Which begs the question, That's quite what funny. other sort of COVID is there? <laughs> Poor Mario Lane. <laughs> To be fair, you know, it's her second or third language. I don't know. Cut her some slack. <laughs> Long COVID. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, actually, anyway, I've got so many funny stories. We were driving to Poland once and we play, were playing this game about, you've got to mention a, a country beginning with each letter of the alphabet. Magda got Q and she said Q8. <laughs> <laughs> and she got, she got H and she said Uganda. <laughs> <laughs> it's never left me anyway we're weirding off topic sorry. here but it's just where we're there it's quite funny <laughs> but uh yeah sorry what <laughs> the thing i've seen uh in yeah a few people's files as well um yeah the heart rate tends to be quite high following any sort of covid um and yeah i'm gonna guess omnicron's the same so um i would do a lot of sessions based on heart rate because you don't want to think hey you know i was running i don't know five minutes uh, pace from my long runs in the past and my heart rate was 135 but now it's 145 but I'll still run five you know five minute pace because mm. ultimately yeah. whatever the reason the heart rate is showing stress on the body and so you want to follow that as the limiter and sort of um, even if that means that your pace is now 530 instead of that five minutes or six minutes even yeah. instead of that five minutes build it up from there so use that as the guide um, and maybe sort of, uh, you can go back and look, you know, historically the same at cycling, you know, if, if you are cycling based on say a power, you know, user look in the past and say, you know, when I was wearing a heart rate monitor, sort of what powers are pushing for that amount of heart rate kind of thing. And then sort of, you know, retro retrospectively yeah. look at that now, sorry, what was my heart rate for the power I was pushing? And then retrospectively look at that again now. So you're trying to maintain the same heart rate rather than, um, yeah, because you know, otherwise you're, the likelihood is you're going to be pushing 10, 15 BPM mm-hmm. sort of more for much, what, yeah. you know, could be for 30, 60, yeah. 120 that, minutes or something. That, that's quite an intensive load and that's going to, you know, you, you're essentially adding intensity whilst you're trying to recover, even though you don't realize it. Yeah, I think it's also important to, to note that if, if, you know, physiologically the body is recovering and again, we're not doctors, but let's assume it is, you will get that fitness back. It will come back. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be away forever as long as you sort of follow a, a sensible route back into it, um, assuming that everything else is going okay with long COVID. Yeah, so, uh, I think uh, <laughs> if the lung COVID is... Uh, <laughs> almost up. Yeah, I, maybe, I mean just sort of like uh, psychologically speaking as well, maybe it's time to sort of push some of those goals back a little further in the year or, 
you know, sort of reframe what you're expecting to do. So if you had some sort of early season races, maybe, yeah. you know, you're going to be fine to do them, but also think, well, that's going to be sort of a step on the way rather yeah. than like that being, you know, the goal itself or my, fit, you know, when I'm going to be at my peak fitness. And I think so that, I push that, that out goes a few to months. point about burying the ego as well. Don't yeah. don't be ashamed of that because it's very easy to, to think that you have somewhat failed, but actually be the bigger person. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I think on that, so we've done all the questions. So I think what we're going to do is move on to the where are you now section. And your training plan. (laughs) I like that. I would, it's my voice. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we've covered, I mean, maybe not, but for anyone that's racing, Matt, or anyone that's looking to race this year, um, the Garmin doesn't tell you, as we discussed, about where you should be. Where, where, where should someone? I say, so we are a lot of us are racing in June. Um, yep. Where, where would, where would people? I think mostly the, this is the point where we're starting to break into some structure. Right. So, so um, that answers Celine's. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, or maybe it's that sort of shoulder point where you're going from sort of just uh, winter miles, training for training, and it's sort of a bit of you know like. Uh, that transition moment when you're starting to break into some structure. So it might be that, you know, we've got the training camp coming up, for example. Yep. And while we wouldn't go out and do necessarily like a hard bike sort of um, intervals, there are a lot of hills. So that'll add a certain amount of intensity naturally. So that's yep. a nice way of approaching that, you know, um, starting to add some, some hills or some like off-road running or things like that. If it's, if it's swimming, you know, you might want to start to add a few more sort of sprints and some longer sprints even into there as well to work some pace up but sort of you're not necessarily if you're looking at a race around june july you know you're not necessarily looking to start like the the really hard stuff but you are starting to sort of pepper it in there a little bit if you're racing in may then now might be about the time that you want to be starting sort of that that week one of your of your bigger plan yeah um i think i also just put in the notes as well just as a sort of reminder to everyone is um I think this year, probably more than ever, races are going to fill up pretty quickly. So if you are planning on racing this summer, I would recommend, especially in the Netherlands, they tend to sell out quite early. So get signed up as soon as possible. And also don't leave it till, you know, while you're in the meet and, and, you know, in the real sort of central part of your training plan, getting through a day's work and, and training is hard enough. So then thinking about all those extra things, like, am I going to upgrade my bike? Am I going to put tri bars on there? Am I going to buy a new helmet? I don't, but you know, you're going to be sort of a little overwhelmed by that point. So if you are kind of thinking, Hey, I've got either my first race and I need to get a couple of, you know, maybe my first tri suit or my first wetsuit, uh, now would be a good time to do that. Or if, you know, you're more experienced, but you're thinking, I want to, you know, upgrade that pair of wheels or Hmm. I'm going to, you know, add some tri bars for the first time this year. I would recommend starting that now. And not only yeah. does it give you time to get used to those things, but it also kind of gets them out of the way before the psychological load gets too too heavy. Yeah. Yeah, I've been looking. I got the email that the bike that I've been after for over a year is back in stock. But um, I think I'm going, I'm, I'm still refraining at this point. Like, I'm not sure I can justify it given a lot of other expenses at the moment. But it's, I can it's guarantee there. after a, a week know, on a nice new bike in Mallorca, it's going to be ordered straight that's away. That's one of the problems. I'm hoping that when I do get to that point, it's out of stock. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Um, so we're, we're at the end. Before we finish up, we usually talk a little bit about what we're watching, reading, listening to. Now, we mentioned some of the books that we have read. Um, one thing I'm watching, actually, is on Netflix is... Uh, 
Anadelvia. What is it? Being Anna, creating Anadelvia. I can't remember. It's about the 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 woman becoming that, Anna. Becoming Anna is, is it? Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, becoming Anna. It's really good actually. I, I think I'm almost finished. I knew the whole story because I watched it on the news, but um, it's really good. It's worth a watch. It's about a, a female that managed to true story in New York. She managed to sort of fake to everyone that she had a lot of cash coming her way and uh, just lived this lavish lifestyle and was mingling with all the stars and the bankers and the corporate, you know, really successful corporates and stuff. Really, really worth watching. I think it's a pretty good, pretty good series. Yeah, so I just started watching Ozark, actually. Oh, so that's okay. a good, good segue. So I'd been hearing how good it was. So uh, yeah, that's it's become uh, the, my line and I's, uh, my show now. Like, oh, you oh, sit nice. down together and watch it. So we're now, still... if you watch that when she's not there, does she give you grief for cheating? I can't watch it. I'm not allowed. <laughs> I have to say it's more. It's more than I'm my life's same. worth. But if it's the other way, it's all right. There's an excuse, or you fell asleep, or you done this, yeah. or you done that. It's like oh, God forbid, Netflix. like I watch watch a movie that once she watched the trailer for, because you know that <laughs> that's that's a sure indication that I was meant to wait I'm, for her. I'm even glad though, to like, hear I don't get yeah. I, that. I'm not the only one that gets this because I but get the, so much. The shit thing is, it's it. it's not even new movies. I'm like. But why didn't you watch it in the last four years aye, if you were so desperate? I I get it all as well. I'm glad yeah. I'm not the only one. Uh, but all such good. Yeah, it's good. Obviously, we've had some terrible, terrible weather. And last weekend, I had two, three-hour rides on the trainer booked, you know, on the schedule. And, well, two, three-hour rides. And there was no way I could ride outside without sort of taking... Well, firstly, it would have been a one-direction ride because I'd never have gotten back. <laughs> and also would have been probably, you know, killed by a tree or yeah, something. Yeah, for sure. So it wasn't going to happen. So I had to sort of face up to two, three, yeah, two, three hour sessions on the trainer on Saturday and Sunday. Nasty. So I thought this is a good chance to get some yeah, a few movies that have been on the watch list for a while. And I watched uh, The Power of the Dog, which is, uh, have you seen this on Netflix? No. It's a Netflix movie, but, you know, much Oscar buzz and stuff. So I was kind of looking forward to getting into it. And it's a very slow, deliberate <laughs> Western of moods and oh, no, small. That it was the attention. worst choice I've ever yeah. made for a trainer <laughs> session. It made it feel like a seven hour trainer session. Oh it man, was, that's rough. Yeah. But, and I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore, but there's only 45 minutes left. And I yeah, wanted to stick with it. it so then the endurance mentality you know, kicked in. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to stick this. it out now. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I think that's us. We're at the end and we have went over as we always do. <laughs> We're about an hour and 15, an hour and 20. So um, as usual, if anyone's got any questions or whatever, just drop them in the, drop them direct to us or in the WhatsApp group. Um, we're going especially to if there's any questions about the training camp, because we'll yeah. cover that in the next one. Yeah, we're going, we're going to do a, a special session on the training camp, what you can expect, what to pack, kind of all that good stuff. So until such time, we'll, uh, we're done for now. So bye-bye. Bye. Subscribe, rate, and review Attack the Pod wherever you listen to podcasts. Find show notes and links on attack-club.nl and leave comments, questions, and suggestions on Instagram at attack.club. Happy training and racing.